0: live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio, talk, radio Show. talk Show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt. Starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for May 1st in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal is to promote God, family, and country, and to protect life, liberty, and property, and to do so in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, of the land, the constitution for the United States of America. That is, indeed, our guide. Ladies and gentlemen, we we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And as you know, we believe the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. I'm going to say it again. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful, great country. I get it. But the mistakes in America are many. And my goal is not to dwell on those mistakes, but to highlight them in a way that we never repeat them, the way we treated black people in America. There are some shameful realities to that, folks. Don't deny it. The problem is, how do you fix it? Do you just create reparations and live in the wallow in the mire about it forever? I think not. I think the answer is to admit to the mistakes, to go forward in faith and hope, and to never repeat those mistakes. We've wronged the blacks. We've wronged Native Americans, no doubt about it, folks, let's be clear. We have wronged the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nicknamed the Mormons. Uh, in many ways, uh, sadly, our society has wronged women. And I don't want to dwell on those things, like I say, but I do want to acknowledge that, you know what, there has been things in our history, not only just the history of America, but the history of humans on the planet. But there's another group of people that we've ignored to a great degree as well. There, it's a group of people that we've really created by our societal uh, realities, norms. Uh, we bury the problem. We don't talk about it. We don't know what to, about, to do about it. But then it just grows and gets worse. I think at the core of it, to a great degree, is fiat fake money, creating belligerent, inflationary, hidden taxes. I think at the core of it is our unwillingness to acknowledge it, to deal with it openly and frankly. I think a lot of it has to do with bureaucrats and politicians and armchair quarterback situations who pretend they know the answers when they don't, and they create, really, policy, laws, guidance uh, that does nothing but compound the problem. I think the problem is people don't know how to handle it. Anything different from themselves, people seem to not know how to handle. Uh, I, as a completely blind individual, seem to know that. Everywhere I go, people look at me, people stare at me. (laughs) <laughs> people think I'm strange. Sadly, to some degree, they're probably right. <laughs> but at the same time, do I deserve that treatment? Do segments of our population deserve that kind of a treatment? I think not. And I think we need to change. I think we need to grow and get better. And I, what I don't think we need to do is go from one bad situation to the to the next. Oh, well, we're going to, you know, fix everything with the blacks. We're going to fix everything with the... Native Americans, the Indians, if you will. We're going to fix everything with the religious people, the, the Mormons. We're going to fix everything with the white supremacists. We're going to solve everything with the, whatever group of people we're talking about. And, but what we do is we just then move the target to the next group. And the group I speak of today is the homeless in America. I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but listen carefully to what I'm saying. There's an article in World Net Daily. In my opinion, one of the most trusted news sources in America today. But it says this. San Francisco's perilous trifecta. Residents are homeless, psychotic, and addicted. They say, where do social workers even start? WND.com. Now, that doesn't mean all homeless people are hopelessly addicted. It doesn't mean all of them are mentally ill. They are homeless many of them. Some of them are mentally ill, some of them are addicted, some of them have the trifecta. Others have unique circumstances. Sometimes being homeless is beyond your control. See, so we seem to think in America somehow that you know what, if you're homeless, why the heck won't you work? What's wrong with you? What what how did you get there? You must be doing something wrong. Everybody else is prospering. What and we seem to have these in my opinion, dishonest conversations with ourselves, oftentimes uh, that make us feel better, right? That make us feel like, well, I'm not there because I work hard. I'm not there because, and you tell yourself all these stories, but whether it be a veteran that served their country who is now homeless for reasons maybe beyond their control to the person who has had a lot of bad luck, scenarios, problems with health, maybe some mental issues, Uh, But yet, maybe a stroke of bad luck. The sad part about our society, and the reason that I tell you this whole story as I do, is because oftentimes, once you get in a place, it is very, very difficult to get out of that place. And if you're not given proper chances or proper opportunities, then sometimes it's almost impossible to get out of that place. Let me give you an example. Let's say you become homeless. And uh, now you're trying to go get a job. Where do you put your possessions while you're at work? (laughs) Uh, When you go in for an interview, how do you take a shower so that you can be ready to present yourself decently for that interview? I mean, you know, you take a shower somewhere or at least try to. You might just get arrested. How do you get a good enough sleep to be alert and be awake when you don't have a place to sleep? How do you get and, and I go on and on. And then, hey, if I'm on the streets for a while or whatever circumstances, how do I make sure that I can get, you know, my teeth fixed or other health issues solved? And the problem is issues compound and they compound rapidly. And I don't mean to make excuses for anyone, but I do mean to tell a real story. I do mean to openly, honestly do my very best to deal with subjects that are very tough Tough indeed, my guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is a is a man by the name of Dean Spencer. Meet Dean. He's a homeless American. The headline that I have is America here's Dean's story. How did he get there? Believe it or not, in America, ladies and gentlemen, the homeless estimate in the United States is just over a half a million people. It's over 550,000 people and sadly growing daily, 550,000 people homeless in what we call a Christian nation. You say, well, as Christians, aren't we supposed to be our brother's keeper? Aren't Aren't we supposed to clothe the naked? Aren't we supposed to feed the hungry? Aren't we supposed to care for those who, aren't we supposed to bear one another's burdens? Um. Well, Utah's probably one of the most conservative states in the union as well, one of the most Christian states at least. Well, in Utah, according to uh, statistics in January 2019, Utah had an estimated 27,000 or 2,798, sorry, 2,798 homeless, experiencing homeless on any given day is how they put it. As reported by Continuums of Care, and that's according to the Utah or U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, right? What is the solution to San Francisco's homeless problem? What is the solution to rural America or Utah's homeless problem? Bureaucrats wring their hands with no solutions. Americans stand idly by oftentimes because government won't let individuals compete. Are we our brother's keeper? Can we minister to those who are maybe less fortunate? Can we look at them with a hand-up attitude? Can we look at them as equals? Can we jettison the judgment? Are we big enough to humbly provide aid and love and support? as the good Samaritan did and the last question I have in my series of questions is will we will we do these things will we make a difference and then the final companion question can we make a difference is it something that we can do can we will we how can we solve this homeless problem in America some of us live in castles some of us live on the streets most of us live somewhere in between varying degrees of wealth and etc etc varying degrees of comforts while one buys a big screen tv the next american worries about their next meal in righteous moral honorable societies would we be able to say there are no poor among us wasn't America all about building the middle class? Isn't that what the founders fought for? Hey, we don't need rich or poor. We don't have kings and vagabonds. We have Americans. And yeah, the harder you work, the more you might prosper. But everybody has the opportunity to do well. And you know what? There's a starting place, a foothold for anybody who's willing to try. And, and once you get your foothold, there's a ladder for success. Uh, Defining success is up to each individual. I get it. But isn't what America was built on, built for? Wasn't that the hope and the dream of the founders to say, hey, you know what? We're all God's children. Do we still believe in that fundamental, basic hope? What do they call that? Let me see if I got this right. Isn't it called the American dream? Because America is based on Christian principles. I ask you, my fellow Americans, are you a Christian? When we come back, we'll hear Dean's story from beginning to end to the best of our ability. We will ask hard questions. Hopefully, we'll gain understanding. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live.
2: Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens. Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say we're not going to protect that but i believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath one thing i promise you i will always take a stand for life
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this song called The Power of Love. Yeah. The power of love makes the world go round, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Do we have enough love in our hearts? Dean Spencer, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir.
4: Yeah, Sam. Uh, We'll start out this uh, saga. The address is Route 1, Box 7, American Fork, Utah. It was... uh, the address is right next to the uh, north border of Utah Lake, uh, right below 50 East, if you get off the freeway. I was <clears throat> born with wonderful parents on, on a farm. Uh, I guess when I was five years old, I don't remember much about it. <clears throat> my mother had some uh, mental health issues, and she had to be removed from the home, and, and so my dad raised me. And, a, and a, a dear uncle that was never married, uh, older than uh, older than my dad, the oldest brother. Uh, my dad had polio when he was uh, three years old, so he, he only had uh, one good leg, and he he had a brace that was made for him. But he he got around well. I I, I had one had one sister, and me is the only uh, the only son, and a Massive amount of acreage to farm, and so I, I knew nothing but hard work. And so, uh, uh, from the from the age of five, you know, I I was virtually with with my father all all the time and out in the farm, and uh, a nice little little white house uh, with a lot of responsibilities. But anyway, so fast forward to this paradise, that, you know, with nice, clean water and, and anything a, a, a kid would want, I would think. And then I I, I had a little trouble in school, you know, uh, learning stuff and dyslexia. Right, keep, the, keep the
1: background noises quiet, though. There's some tapping. Oh, try, and, sorry. try and eliminate that. Keep going.
4: Um I was dyslexic and had a hard time studying, and virtually didn't want to be there. But anyway, I, I struggled through that, and, and actually had a, a wonderful childhood. And then I ended up getting married to this beautiful Hold woman. On, before we
1: get there, did did you graduate from high school? Uh,
4: no, I I finished high school, but I, I I didn't get the correct credits I needed, you know. So so I I wasn't a high school graduate to say, but I, I didn't really drop out. I just, I took trade tech classes and, and just some shop classes and virtually, um, but I, I was good in math. Um, uh, but my, uh, like, you know, the, my vocal deal and the, and my speech and stuff like that w- was really failing and, and I, I didn't have the ability to read. So, so anyway, but I had two strong hands and knew how to work and, and was into automotive stuff and, and we had to fix our own machinery and stuff like that. So, so my skills in a mechanic and, 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 two strong arms and two good legs, I'm, you know, I, I was able to function very well. All right. So, so let me
1: understand just, just so we, we get it all. Can you read now?
4: Right. What's that?
1: Can you read now?
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. I learned how to read by getting a job at Geneva steel and with, uh, with nothing to do at times. So I, I, I'd struggle through a book. The first book I read was Stephen King, the stand. And uh, after that, you know, I, I was able to start to con- be able to concentrate and, and read. So yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do now is read.
1: Okay, so, so you overcame your dyslexia is the point. You overcame uh the struggles of not being able to read and and as a child struggling with it, but you disciplined yourself, you worked hard and you learned to read and you kinda conquered that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, keep going, so, sir. So you you got a great job at Geneva Steel. You you found a woman, huh?
4: Oh oh yeah, yeah. Married married very early. Uh some things went on on the farm my my dad had to sell it um because it, uh, my uncle passed away and, and it was just too much he he figured and you know he, he'd always struggled on that farm cuz they'd been down there since the 1800s um uh, some of the first people down here in the valley in American Fork uh, and so so he, he he was tired of the farming cuz it was all it was just all work all will work and no play. And, uh, you know, he figured maybe just sell it and move on. And, and they were friends with the, with the, one of the main guys down there to Geneva. So it was like, I could basically sign on and I had a job there. So the jobs have never been a problem for me because I, I know how to do a lot of stuff from the bricklayer to a, uh, equipment because 'cause I've running all the equipment and stuff on the farm. Very familiar with with all, you know the internal combustion ch- engines and was into re- street racing and all all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, so. So I've always been able to do virtually anything that I want, and I still still can work every day. But my I'm getting old now. I'm born in '57, so so. All right, so let's
1: get to it, though. So you found a girl. Uh, Tell us a little bit about her. What's that? You found a girl. Tell us a little bit about her.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. She was just a beautiful little girl, and we ended up. We got married when we were very young, everything against us, and struggled through that. And then the Geneva Steel shut down, and but I'd, I'd already had a, a like a, a business going on on the side, uh, a mechanic shop. Um, so I I already had a shop. So any anyway, so I went from that. Plus I was doing some masonry, uh, on, you know every once in a while for for friend, friends of mine that had companies so always had to I was a workaholic and that's what my kids remember me by is always gone. and it was virtually you know I was I was home very little and so we, our, we had a daughter uh, uh beautiful little daughter the uh, first child and um, and then <clears throat> then we ha- had a, a son uh, my first son and then two more after that and uh, but right around I think it was uh 81 or so the plant Geneva plant shut down and I was times were hard around here then but I was flourishing. So I, I didn't collect any of the unemployment or any of that stuff. I just kind of done my own thing and found some odd jobs going on and, and always helping out friends because their vehicles would be broken down and, and stuff and would, uh, you know, put new motors or whatever in them, get them on the highway again. And and so this this life was wonderful. And then I wasn't really much into the church and that. I, I built my own home over in Orem. Uh, so
1: hold on. So growing up, you weren't very religious. Was your dad religious? And did you have religion in your life as a kid?
4: No, not really. I, I was right. uh, baptized, maybe went to church like two or three times. and uh, Okay, so your whole life,
1: and was your wife religious?
4: She was. She was, she was, she, she was raised pretty, uh, pretty, uh, in the, uh, LDS, uh, religion. All right. So
1: she was religious. You weren't, did that cause a problem in your marriage?
4: Not, not at all. Um, I guess she wasn't in the hat. I don't She, we just didn't go to church. And, um, uh, I, I remember, uh, one, uh, a bishop came over.
1: Uh, All right, so everybody everybody still, in, the, in the worldwide and the international audience, a bishop is like a pastor.
4: Yeah, the LDS Keep bishop. Going, yeah. Son. Yep,
1: people don't know what that is, so I got to catch him up. Yeah.
4: Go ahead. Yeah, so he comes over to the house one day and asks, you know, why I don't go to church, you know? Uh, and he wants to welcome me to church. And I says, well, there were some things that went on, you know, when I was younger that. I was basically I guess I was this fellowship. Well, I know I was and I said, well, I, I just haven't haven't gone to church. And so all
1: right, hang tight. Dean Spencer with me, ladies and gentlemen. what's it like to become homeless? Dean Spencer, ladies and gentlemen, meet Dean. He's a homeless American. America here's Dean's story. Could it happen to you? Liberty Roundtable live.
0: Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty
5: News Radio. USA Radio News. I'm
6: Brandon Gunn. California is increasing early release credits for 76,000 inmates, including violent and repeat felons, as it further trims the population of what once was the nation's largest state correctional system. More than 63,000 inmates convicted of violent crimes will be eligible for good behavior credits that shorten their sentences by one-third. The changes were approved this week by the State Office of Administrative Law with almost no public notice. Critics say this move will put more Californians at risk. The Florida legislature passed a bill this week that would forbid social media companies like Facebook or Twitter to ban elected officials from communicating on their platforms. Governor Ron DeSantis has pledged to sign the bill. The move comes three months after social media giants YouTube and Twitter removed former President Donald Trump from their platforms, a decision which many commentators warned could indicate that big tech has too much power over political speech. This is USA Radio News.
0: Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. Very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
6: President Biden talks schools opening in the fall. Tim Berg has more.
7: President Biden believes schools should be open for five-day-a-week in-person learning in the fall, despite the fact that children likely will not be vaccinated by then. Biden telling NBC's Today Show.
4: Based on the science of the CDC, they should probably all be open. There's not overwhelming evidence that there's much of a transmission among these young people.
7: Teachers unions, mainly those in major coastal cities, have resisted reopening schools for much of the 2020-2021 school year, refusing to return teachers to classrooms until a variety of demands, some of which are not directly related to COVID, have been met. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
6: Two storm systems from the Gulf will result in wet, stormy weather for parts of the South and Plains into next week. Possibility of flash floods in parts of Texas and Louisiana. Find us on the web at usaradio.com. This is USA Radio News.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Dean Spencer with me. Meet Dean. He's a homeless American. America here's Dean's story. How did he get there? Could this be you? Serious question, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, it could be me. I work hard. Oh, no, it couldn't be. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? You never know. Circumstances happen. Life happens. And be grateful every day if it's not you but also understand that there are good, honest Americans who this happens to. And uh, many times to no fault of their own. Sometimes it's partly their fault, partly not their fault. There's a lot of reasons. Everybody's case is unique and different. Everyone is unique and different. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Spencer's telling us about his early life. He was not religious. So a pastor comes over when he's married, he's got four children comes over and says, hey, why aren't you going to church? Dean says, okay, I had some problems when I was a kid. Church didn't go very well for me. Dean, pick it up there, sir.
4: Oh, yeah. When you say that hard work, you know, that's one of the reasons probably uh, we never went to church on the farm. Is is Every day was the same day. Uh, the cows had to be fed some days, you know, just like uh, – uh, just like uh, – it's like the baby has to be fed, so the, these chores were were every day. So when I when I got married it's, and had my own business and stuff going on, um, Sundays was actually the weekends was was the days I worked hardest because I wasn't being bothered. And so this this was one of the one of the problems I, I was gonna have, you know, I end up. Finding out is to have this day of rest that just wasn't in my clock, and still isn't in a way. Uh, so, but I like as I heard the story, and then we we had to have a bishop's court, uh, you know, to, to see what you know to see what my status was and all that stuff, you know. And I found these people, you know, very forgiving. You no, know, by far, I, I I wasn't a perfect. And still not a perfect person. And, and, you know, I, I know how to dr- drink a beer once in a while. And, and this was, you know, wasn't a problem back then because, because when I had that family, I, I remember one day I, you know, I, I had my own business getting going a, a body shop and I, it's either my booze or, or the booze or my family. So I, I'd I quit, you know, altogether. And so that wasn't the, you know, this Word of Wisdom stuff wasn't a problem. Uh, so anyway, I, I love the concept, and we w- went through what they call the temple classes. I had very good neighbors. Uh, and uh,
1: So let, let's make sure we keep it where people understand you're using too many words from the, the Mormon Church or the Church of Jesus Christ of yeah, Latter-day Saints. Basically, what yeah. you said is you found religion, and you decided to try to come back, right?
4: Yeah, I, I found religion. You decided and, to embrace religion well, in your life. Thought it was a good, you know, good concept, you know, to have, have have a God in your life. So, so not to use too too much uh, LDS stuff, you know, but we're married and sealed in the temple, and and things were supposed to be like like a blessing now, you know. And this is the, what, what I wanted to get here is all of a sudden, here's where my life starts falling apart. And so when I get religion in my life, you know, I'm trying to not work on Sundays, and I'm trying to be, you know, uh, just a little bit different, let's say, than what, what I normally did in my business career. And so slowly, you know, things just started not panning out financially. And we didn't have very many bills. I just had a house payment. By by now, you know, I've got a big collection of of muscle cars and everything I have is paid for. I've got tools, I've got everything a guy needs. All paid for cash as I go along. Plenty of customers. Um, all the work I I could do, you know, good friends, everybody that came to me was only by the word of mouth. I never advertised. I didn't even have a phone most of the time. And so I've, I've got this business where just looking back on it, it's just like trust a a word of word of mouth And, and good friends. And everybody's happy with with my work and, but but now the financial empire is falling apart. So my wife is, is, doesn't have the money she thinks she needs to, to have, so she wants to go to work and get a job. Well, if she goes to work, I have four kids now, and I've got to take off my time to watch my kids which I'm glad she did in a way because I, I got to spend some time with my kids uh, but so fast forward a little bit just things were just I, I could I could feel it uh, coming down I, I remember coming home from a, a swing shift job from a, from a sign computer chip place where she was working and she She says, I think there's more to life than this. And I I knew at that time, my life was going to spiral downhill because I felt we had everything. We had four beautiful kids, a home, and just everything a guy could want. And so it started that she had to have a new car. She was tired of driving my old cars around, which was worth a fortune, uh, and she had to have a new car and it went from the new car to just not being happy. And I, I got behind on the bills. The new car was breaking down and it needs tires and it needs this. And so, so slowly, it, and it wasn't really slowly, things were falling apart. I, I was, I was sick of dealing with customers Um so i was in the restoration business so i thought well if i could just buy and sell my own cars i I can get rid of all these customers so <clears throat> one day it was it was just like a, a crash it was really just a crash i was working on this wealthy customer's car it was a lincoln continental that i'd restored for him and he was going out of town for um, a few days and wanted me to just buff out this one little spot where it took me 15 minutes. And I, I left his house and going up 800 north and and, and Provo coming from where the canyon was, this, this guy pulled right out in front of me while I'm doing 50 miles an hour in that car. And boom, I booted him like a football. and I, You know, I looked him right in the, right in the eyes, and he just pulled right out in front of me. Well, I, I get back to see if he's okay. And uh, you could tell the guy was drunk. This is only 11 o'clock in the morning. And he'd got Listerine bottles. All, all, and there it was a crowded weekend. And people everywhere. And I'm picking up bumpers and stuff off the road. And and the next thing you know, uh, I thought they were... Anyway, he's gone. He left the scene of the accident. Nobody's got any insurance. This this guy had so much money, he carried his own liability. And it was just like it just knocked the wind out of me. I I got a $15,000 loan to buy a bunch of cars. This is where... Uh, 1990, August 20th, 1990, when they went into Kuwait, I had a bunch of cars down in Los Angeles um, trying to sell them. Nothing, nothing was selling at the swap meet. So here I've got, I've got a big loan due, fifteen thousand dollar loan due. I, I've got, I'm getting behind on payments. Um, I, I I quit taking any customers' cars, and so I, I just I just sat there and looked, and, and this guy uh, that owned the car, his his uh, grandson was there and seen it, and what, uh, and so he calls him, and he, he's mad at me. He thinks you know, and he just says, fix the car. I'm, I'll I'll be back in a couple weeks you know I, I sat there and looked at that car for two months I, I just could not g- gather myself to even touch that car so anyway that's, ladies that's and gentlemen talking. We're,
1: we're talking to Dean Spencer he's a homeless American he was prospering and doing well the wheels fell off how could this be you what if nobody believed in you ladies and gentlemen How would you feel? Hang tight, Liberty Roundtable Live. I am Sam Bushman.
8: Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face and the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous,
10: Daddy, why somebody my seals are gold?
9: We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured.
3: But the S and P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment.
9: And some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money.
1: If you're homeless, does it feel like you live in a world from down under? Sad tale to tell, but true. Homeless stories run the gamut. Sad to say, in Las Vegas, there's stories of underground homeless cities below the casinos. So to to, uh, highlight the irony, you've got casino people gambling and smoking and drinking themselves into a stupor with plenty of money, many of them going broke. And then you have the homeless camps under the city, oftentimes underground in the sewer systems and everything else. If you don't believe me, go study it on the internet, type in Vegas, living under the city, into Google, and you'll find YouTube after YouTube of exposés done on the topic. Uh, That's an extreme example. Dean Spencer with us today. His example, not that extreme, but just as heartbreaking and just as difficult. But ladies and gentlemen, what happens to the homeless is pretty soon nobody believes in them. No one will give them a chance. People look at them with, with ridicule and derision, and the list goes on and on. Joe Nichols, believe it or not, country singer, tells a very sad story. I want to play this song because it relates to Dean's situation to a great degree and to many situations of homeless people. Even if you're not homeless, does this relate to you? Could this be you? Here's Joe Nichols. Listen to the words to the song.
10: I watched him take the two-strike call He hadn't tried to swing at all I guess he had all he could take He walked away for goodness sake His father's voice was loud and mean You won't amount to anything That little boy quit trying He just walked away There were teardrops on his face Tell me how would you feel You'd probably give up too If nobody believed in man said one more try i know i'm not too old to drive i promise son i'll do my best this time i'm gonna pass the test give me the keys dad and get in his father never drove again That old man quit trying He just turned away And there were teardrops on his face Tell me how would you feel You'd probably give up too If nobody believed in Take his name out of the schools. The lawyers say it breaks the rules. Pledge of allegiance can't be read. And under God should not be said. I wonder how much he will take. I just pray it's not too late. What if God quit trying, and he just turned away, there were teardrops on his face, tell me how would you feel, you'd probably give up too, if nobody believed. Tell me how would you feel, you'd probably give a two, if nobody believed
1: in you. Ladies and gentlemen, homelessness is a serious thing. And it's not just for those who are experiencing it firsthand, such as a Dean Spencer on your radio with me now. Uh, but it's, it's all of us that experience it in some ways, whether through ignorance, whether through eyes from afar, whether through, and what will we do? How will we handle it? Where will we, There, there's hope folks. So Dean, the wheels fell off, life fell apart. Your wife decided, not only did she uh, sick of this life, life's gotta have more. Not only did she want a new car, she wanted a new life without you in it, right?
4: Yeah, pretty much but it it went on for for a little while after that you know i tried you know i kind of snapped out of it but financially things were really falling apart because i had a that fifteen thousand dollar note due and i couldn't come up with the money and so now i'm i'm running basically and i'm wanting to sell everything i have and, and just move on and so i'd found this other house like almost magically, found this other house. I still had fairly good credit. No, I had really good credit so far. But anyway, I found this house, another house to get, and we ended up trying to do a deal on this house and move move on and put our other house up for sale, and that house got tied up in court. Uh, Somebody filed a, a cloud of the title on it and i i got a crash course in real estate and ended up losing that house her her, her mom had passed away and they had a house available that they were living in cuz her, her father got married to somebody uh, another wife so we had this house we could move in so now I'm, i wasn't the breadwinner anymore it was and so it just Slowly started falling apart, and I'd, I'd lost my shop. I had, I had another shop that I was buying, it, it, everything. Now, this is where I really started believing in God. And I'd never read the book of Job until years later, and I thought it was just one thing after another. It was just like the buffets of Satan came down on me, and er- everything was was being destroyed and so to fast forward to where all of a sudden i get some criminal charges pressed 3 years later on that on, on fraud charges supposedly fraud charges on that loan got tied up in the court system had no idea now they say fraud charges
1: it. because they, they kind of make it seem like you were just trying to get out of the loan or not pay for it or what? Yeah.
4: Yeah. All right. Supposedly that I did a false credit application and in a way, you know, I owed them the money and I was hiding the cars because they had seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 worth of collateral at the time uh, for $15,000. So I, I was just shuffling them things around. I, I you know, I tried to take out a Chapter Eleven bankruptcy to, to to reorganize. They 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 wouldn't accept that, so it was one of these push comes to shove deals. Which, you know, I in my mind, I was a little bit guilty because I didn't get them the money back. And uh, try trying to. So, so save, the bottom line, though, is they, they
1: called it criminal because of the way the law's written. But the truth is that, yeah, you were changing things around and you were a little bit guilty. But in reality, what you were really trying to do is just save your bacon. Uh, and as you went to courts and everything else, they uh, shut those avenues down. And because you didn't really get a chance to to uh, make amends, then it just went all south. Is that a good summary?
4: Perfect summary. And, and I, I was happy with the verdict. You know, they had had me. uh Charged with second degree felony. And at the end of it, it was basically a, a false credit application, which it wasn't. And so I played an, a no contest deal. Uh, they'd talk me into it, you know, uh, my p- public defender, which he couldn't see where the crime was at all, but he, he thought that was a pretty good deal. I'd just do maybe 30 days on work release. They had a work release program, and it would go away like a parking ticket. But what I found myself getting on probation, and the probation officer was just down my on my back. You've got to have a business license. You can't do anything without a business license. You can't even raise the uh, – and by now, every sort of license that I had was – expired and gone i didn't even have a place to work work but i i, I could always find a place to work a, sh- a shop to rent or something i had cars and vehicles scattered throughout the entire county you know um in storage units and it was just all, all you know, it, it's it's all junk when when it comes down to it it's just you could just see that all this stuff is just a, Material junk and what's important in life is, is just a, a family, but you don't realize that. You cling to your riches in a way. Hang
1: tight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to make a pause marker here. I want you to say that again, Dean, because you know what? We first started talking about fancy cars and nice things, and, and it's all true in a way, but at the same time, it's all junk. And When compared to the things that matter in life, they're nothing. But you don't realize that at the time. Isn't that what you said, Dean?
4: Oh, yeah. You, you don't realize until it's all gone. And then it, then it, then it's a relief. It's just the biggest relief when, when it's all gone. But I still find myself trying to get somewhere. Uh, and where do you start? You know, you've got to get something. you got to have a place to keep something. You know, and 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 then he realized, oh man, I, I'm in the same boat as I was years ago with just frivolous stuff, trying to trying to get back into life. And but but yeah, it's and then you know, then what I found found out late, later on is you not only got this stuff, now you've got. Some sort of a criminal record, and, and so it, it goes on. Where you 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 have to have everything in order to be on probation. You're supposed to have. All
1: right, right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Dean Spencer with us. One hour in the can. Second hour coming up. This is a two-hour Liberty Roundtable Live special. Our guest, Dean Spencer. Meet Dean, he's a homeless American. America, here's Dean's story. Could this be you? Liberty Roundtable Live. I am Sam Bushman. Let's dig in. Let's discover. Let's have a little bit of empathy and compassion. This is America. A nation that turns to God. At least we used to. We pray that continues. God save the Republic of the United States.
0: Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable radio Talk Radio. talk show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. This is a two hour special broadcast. Our special guest, Mr. Dean Spencer. Dean's a homeless American, ladies and gentlemen. How did he get there? Could this be you? We're telling his story. You got to listen to the last hour, ladies and gentlemen. But Joe Nichols, country singer, has a song, If Nobody Believed in You. How would it be? Is that how we're treating the homeless in America? Now, if not mistaken, let me ask the board op this question Isn't today Mayday, ladies and gentlemen? Is that right? Uh-huh. Jane Cameron and Mayday? Yeah, I think May 1st is May Day, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a long and varied history. It's May Day, folks. I know it is. I'm just kind of teasing. Is it May Day, right? Um, What is May Day? It's a holiday rich in history and folklore, celebrating the return of spring. But what else is it? You ever heard the term May Day? May Day. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling a mayday on the homeless. Mayday, mayday. Don't they say that over the radio when things go bad? Yeah. Mayday for the homeless, ladies and gentlemen. Mayday for the homeless. I want to repeat that. Now, how should we deal with the homeless? Should we just think in our heart, hey, man, it's their fault, you know? If that just worked, everything would be all right. It's not always the case, ladies and gentlemen. It's not always the reality. Things are more complicated in life. Life is messy, is it not? Mayday for Christians to pay attention to who's around them. Mayday for ministry. In your ministry, are you going to? care for the lost are you gonna go find the lost sheep are you gonna care for your neighbor are you gonna be the good samaritan are you just gonna walk on by and go (laughs) by the grace of god go i baby how's it gonna be for you all right believe it or not brandon heath a christian musician created a song called give me your eyes i want to play this i want to listen to the lyrics very carefully It directly relates to our discussion with Mr. Dean Spencer. Cameron? It starts out as a video is why it's like this. Here's the song. Brandon Heath, Give Me Your Eyes.
11: Look down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos Are those people going somewhere? Why have I never cared? Step out on a busy street, see a girl in our eyes meet Does the best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath There's a man just too right, black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere, why? I've been here a million times A couple million nights Just moving past me by I swear I never thought that I was wrong But well, I want a second glance So give me a second I hey. you.
1: Gentlemen, Dean Spencer on your radio to our Liberty Roundtable Live special guest interview. Meet our brother, Dean Spencer. So the wheels fell off. You lost your wife. You lost your family. You lost your home. You lost your business. Let's start there, Dean. I know I'm fast forwarding a little bit, and I don't mean to ignore those parts of those very dear parts of your life that are very sensitive but i do want to make sure that we get the whole story so you 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 end up losing everything you end up uh really with some court problems uh they took something uh, that was innocent enough at the start but yet you know what according to the law uh, they brought charges the public defender told you to cop a plea Uh, didn't work out too well in the end and now you're not only lost everything but you're on the wrong side of the law right
4: uh, yes, uh, and, and that's kind of where I want to go with this. Is, is between this getting the divorce and, and these charges, I was very tempted to uh, when I made that plea to to withdraw it. And I talked to my my public defender, and he said, "Yeah, I had a pretty good case to withdraw it because I was pressured into it uh, that that day." Uh, when I made that plea. So anyway, I, I get into this probation thing. So I, I, I went through and I, I didn't do anything about withdrawing my plea. I thought, well, I, I've never been in in trouble, you know, a little bit, you know, just traffic stuff, but nothing like this. So I think, well, I, I can do probation. So anyway, the 30-day, I had to do 30 days on the work release. Well, in order to do that, I had to go find a job, a real job. And so I went and talked to a friend of mine, and he had a a, a business doing some mechanic work. And so I went to work for him just so I could uh, be on a work release. But in the meantime, I had all kinds of other stuff going on. And so I'm trying, trying to juggle the books and make some money uh more or less kind of under the table in, in secrecy because i didn't have a business license so anyway there at that after that 30
1: days and and, me and, and let wife, me be clear on let me be clear on this ladies and gentlemen at first you think well this is just a simple thing just go get your business license come on but the problem with those scenarios for folks is when you're hand to mouth and you're just trying to bootstrap something, and you're just trying to deal with the best you can, and you know what, where do you get the money? Wait a minute, I don't have an ID. Wait a minute, I'm a felon. Wait a minute, I'm a... And and the problem is this circular reality starts to get to you, where it's like, I mean to do it, but let me do this first. I think I can make some money today, and uh, you know what, then I'll have a little bit of money to go in to get my business license, and I actually might be able to eat today, and I might be able to... Is that the kind of thought process, Dean?
4: Um, Yeah, it's it's just... It's, you can't even explain it until you've been there. But but anyway, so we decided to, you know, split the sheets or whatever. She more or less kicks me out. And uh, my dad had this place where his his uh, sister had passed away. And so he, he, he uh, had this place. I went over and more or less said I was going to live with him. Well, the probation officer was going to violate me. Because I didn't okay it with him when I moved, I said, "So I've got to okay it with you before my wife kicks me out." And so, you know, I was raised where, you know, me and authority don't get Are you kidding away
1: me right, right now?
4: All right, What's so they're basically
1: saying you gotta you gotta notify because you're a felon. You gotta tell when you move, right?
4: Well, I'm not a felon. They reduced it to a misdemeanor. I see, but you gotta tell when to move because.
1: You're on probation. That's the story, Because right? I'm
4: on probation.
1: I have to have nice. a phone.
4: I have to. What do you mean you got to have a oral? phone? What if you don't have one? Well, that's that's the thing. Then you're violated. We, we actually had a phone, but I had to change the phone number, you know. And, and, All right. ain't tight, and I, ladies
1: and gentlemen. Dean Spencer on your radio.
2: Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly. But I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in
12: history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular The solution to so many of our problems, at all times, and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
1: If you heard the commercial break from a senator in the halls of Congress, right on down to the lowliest Americans, they say the solution To most, if not all, of our problems is a family. The things of greatest worth and importance. God, family, and country. And that's what this whole 25-plus year history of Liberty Roundtable Live Radio Broadcasting is all about. By the way, it is our 25th year in broadcasting. We're celebrating all year long. Today is May 1st in the year of our Lord, 2021 May Day. We are in the middle of a special two-hour broadcast talking about the homeless talking about our dear friend dean spencer he's a homeless americans or he's a homeless american americans hear dean's story how did this happen right how did he get there could this be you i ask all right it is mayday brandon heath give me your eyes are we gonna look through different eyes at these people what is the solution to America's homeless problem? We'll get into that as the broadcast continues, but for now, Dean's telling you that, so he got on the wrong side of the law. He It just seems to get worse. So you uh, basically have a misdemeanor. Thank heavens it wasn't felonies. Uh, but it, then you have probation. Got to reform poor Dean. Uh, and So then, never mind that he doesn't really need reform, ladies and gentlemen. What happened is he just got behind the eight ball and made some mistakes and then tried to kind of cover it up in hopes that he could right the ship and in that effort things went all south and now the law's got a hold of him and uh, so now he didn't change his phone number and he moved and he didn't catch everybody up to speed like he should have right a lot of things you should have done but didn't and are those criminal activities or just scrambling right
4: so then what happens dean well the next thing is 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 just a a bunch of history of, of, of the revolving door to the uh, criminal justice system. So by now uh, we was having to move out of that place that my dad was in about a month or so later, a couple months later. So now, now I, I'm feuding with the, probation officer all the time over some frivolous stuff because I've got customers calling him about their vehicles and stuff and and so anyway so now I want to move I, I'm just want out so I wanted to move down to the St. George area so I talked to him I said what have I got to do I, I, I want to move he says, "Well, you've got to have the job." And let me let me
1: add to this: the reason that you want to move is what you really want is a break in the cycle and a hope for a new start. Is
4: that an accurate statement? Perfect. Yes, that's that's what I wanted. Go
1: ahead, sir. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt. I just want to kind of make sure people understand. Yeah. the logic, the so thinking. I, You're I, not I, just I, trying to bail to get out of everything. You're really trying to say, "I just need a fresh start, though. This this has just got to stop, and I need a I need a chance here."
4: Right, Go ahead, sir. So so now I I've still got all kinds of vehicles and stuff scattered everywhere, and so so anyway so I I want to move down down to the Verican area, uh, Hurricane down southern Utah. So I I get a an address, I get a job down there. This is right around Christmas time. I come back and I I tell him I said I want to move. Well, we. I won't move your file. I won't move a dirty file you got behind last month on your payments. So I was trying to pay make payments on that, um, on that loan that I defaulted on. So I got behind one payment, and he wouldn't move my file. So in my mind, I said, "Heck with this. I'm not doing it anymore." Because I, I, I've already moved. So I just started running from the law. The next thing you know, I, I was come, coming back and forth to Utah County, hauling vehicles back. Next thing you know, I, I get into town. There's the red, red and blues, more charges, more charges, uh, probation violations. And it was just a little bit at the start, you know, a couple days here, a couple days there, but it was every year plus more charges. So every year, for this started about 1994 when I got divorced. Just, and by by 1998, you know, I, I'd violated like four times. Kind of got out of it. I did get virtually escaped out of it every time, just by a few days. Well, but but every time I get locked up, you know, I, I'd have stuff scattered everywhere, and no help. And so so now in '98, you know, this, this judge was just pissed off, and he he gives me like eight months and no good time. So that's equivalent to a year. I, by now, I'm starting to read the law books, and thinking, oh boy, I I've messed up. But i had and, no and why is he so
1: now. mad does he think you're just continuing to violate are you escalating yeah. this thing are you talking back in yeah, court I, what, I, what's causing his anger here
4: just because i keep violating the probation thing
1: and why do you keep because violating I, the probation thing because
4: i i couldn't do it anymore i mean i i just couldn't do it i i mean you, you get out of jail and you got all this stuff on your mind. By now I've I got dozens of cars that I've been moving down down to the St. George area and trying you know trying to get a business going again and because and you, you just can't go out and make 20, 10, 20 bucks an hour when you've got hundreds and hundreds of, you know uh, of dollars an hour in, in, in debt and being raised like I was, you know, I, I have a conscience. I want, I want to try to, you know, pay back. Plus I've got kids, you know, I haven't seen my kids. Uh, a couple times they were, my wife dumped two of my boys on me. When we're homeless, we're living in storage units with, with two of my sons. And I told them one day, I says, I've been having these dreams. I'm going back to jail. We drove up, <clears throat> To Utah to drop them off at their mom. Red and blues. I'm arrested with them in the vehicle. So now this isn't looking good. You know, all, all these charges are just stacking up and stacking up. I don't have money to pay the fines. I don't have money to pay pay back on this loan. I don't have any money. I can't work. I'm, I'm constantly locked up or you know and every time you get locked up they impound everything you have yeah you know, and it's impossible I hate to say it but there's no way out and so by now I do that eight months everything I have down down to you know I got close to a million dollars worth of vehicles and stuff collector cars and stuff and plus all all my what few belongings i had and few belongings that from years ago from the farm that i had to take possession of all the all of it went away Sam. I mean you're so gonna out. say to
1: me people are gonna say to me wait a minute Dean all you got to do is sell one of your expensive cars get the cash get out of debt you're good to go right
4: oh yeah but, but these cars are in in the middle of being restored they're they're virtually worthless unless they're running and a lot of it is, is, is parts tools,
1: and I'm drilling in yeah. because I want people to understand, because at first glance, right. you go, oh, this is so simple, Sam. Come on. <laughs> no, it isn't, yeah. folks. You got a bunch of cars. They might be valuable cars because of their aged, their vintage or whatever. Uh, but you sell it and you get, you know, 600 bucks. It isn't going to help you. Where are you going to put it and what bank account? The bank account the government's watching? The bank, okay, where do you go? And so you say, well, wait a minute, sell that, sell a title, and then, well, you got the cash, and then, hey, the cops, the red and blue, gets the cash, and now what are you doing without? Where did you get that cash, my friend? How? What are you doing? And okay, it all goes sideways, and I, and I don't bring it up to to challenge Dean as much as to get the story out. I want people to understand, and so Dean's got these vehicles, he's trying to restore them, but the problem is, how do you get the parts? Oh, you got to have money to get the parts, right? I got a part now. I can put it out. Wait a minute. I don't have the right tool that I need. Cause I had my tools, but when I had to move or when I this or that, then I lost this and that. It's this. It's this tale of of never getting the option. What option? Where's my option, ladies and gentlemen? Listen up,
11: folks. By in time, all those people go somewhere. Why have I never?
1: Cared? Liberty Round Table. Give Live. me
11: your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your
0: all. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening
5: to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News.
0: I'm Brandon Gunn.
6: President Biden visited Philadelphia on Friday to stump for his newly proposed infrastructure bill. He spoke at the 30th Street Amtrak Station, celebrating the 50th year of service.
4: As I've said from the beginning, when I think about fighting climate change, I think about jobs. And rail, and hopefully the expansion of rail, provides good union
6: jobs, good paying jobs. Amtrak said after Biden announced the plan that the corporation would upgrade and expand service, including adding 30 new routes and adding trains on 20 existing routes across the U.S. by 2035. Houston police officers were called to a home after receiving a report of a kidnapping. They found more than 90 people jammed in a two-story home in what authorities are saying could be a possible human smuggling operation. Neighbors didn't report any suspicious activity and the police didn't release information on the kidnapping call that led to the discovery. This is USA Radio News.
0: Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, Very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
6: The Florida legislature passed a bill this week that would forbid social media companies like Facebook or Twitter to ban elected officials from communicating on their platforms. Governor Ron DeSantis has pledged to sign the bill. The move comes three months after social media giants YouTube and Twitter removed former President Donald Trump from their platforms, a decision which many commentators warn could indicate that big tech has too much power over political speech. Delta soon to expand the number of available seats on its flights. USA's Tim Berg has more.
7: Delta began selling middle seat tickets today, the airline waiting longer than any others to open up entire planes again. The seats had been blocked to allow for social distancing as a COVID safety measure. The CEO saying he expects nearly 65% of those who flew Delta in 2019 to have at least one vaccination dose by tomorrow, but masks are still required on flight. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. This is USA Radio News.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, give me your eyes. What he's talking about is, hey, we as humanoids just don't quite cut the mustard when it comes to compassion, when it comes to caring for others, when it comes to assessing situations. You know, I had a, a friend tell a story about, you know what, if you are in the ministering business, I don't mean financially, I mean that you care for others, that you're your brother's keeper, that you take your covenants at baptism to bear one another bur- bear one another's burdens, etc. Seriously, so if you are in the caring business, or if you're in the uh, you know Christian business, the ministry business, then you say if you look at people, you got to assume 50% of them, half of them in, are in trouble. Your job is to find out which half, and then your job is to do something about it. What is the solution to America's homeless problem? What is the solution to America's problems? Does it all start with the parable of the Good Samaritan? I think to a great degree. It does, ladies and gentlemen. I really think that is the answer. It is about God, family, country, but it is about living a Christian life. It is about looking out for those around you. We're hearing the story of Dean Spencer in our two-hour special uh, interview. So, Dean literally got on the wrong side of the law, things went all rough, things spiraled down. You literally lost everything now. You don't have any cars now, do you, Dean?
4: Oh, not really. Um, I I, I got a couple scattered here and there still. But uh, what I wanna get back to is the the law a little bit and why these people are caught up in this when you get the homeless situation. This, uh, that judge made that ruling on May 12th of uh, 1998 now what what had happened that very day was a law had changed on the good time law where it now give judges the authority to grant it or not to grant it and then they changed it for the felons to get it too in jail But what I found out when I got looking at the law, because now I'm studying the law and I thought he didn't have authority to say that on a misdemeanor. But I'm finding out those laws changed, but he was about seven hours premature, which I found out about four months later. He made the wrong ruling. He sentenced me to death when he didn't have the authority. And what had happened when I, and I realized I didn't have an attorney there present and so I remember when I was going to withdraw that plea that I says as soon as I make this plea you're done he says oh no we're not done until you're completed your sentence we're still uh, appointed to you so I thought well where was my attorney uh, and so I'm looking to calling up the all these attorneys offices and, and it went back and forth well this is a felony no it was a misdemeanor so finally they appointed one, and by now, I didn't receive any paperwork when I come back to the jail. I thought, this is odd. I want to see my paperwork. So finally he goes and gets uh, some paperwork, a docket, which that's not what I wanted. They used to give you a pink piece of paper every time you went to court. They don't give you anything now. I can see why. Well, they had changed the dates. To May 14th instead of May 12th, I thought, well, this is odd. So I'm going to do something about this. And so the more I pushed for the for the papers, the, the more they cooked the books. And they have a judge rotation here in, U- uh, in uh, Utah, and it rotated to different judges. And these these uh, the, and this other judge was one that. Change the dates so now you know we got people cooking the books and either somebody the clerk or the, or, uh, or the judges and, and I, I i couldn't figure out why till two months later so now the more you know about the law you when you start getting these uh when a, when it when you start exposing it they go after you and so this that kind of went away at this time but now now i'm thinking i've lost everything i am not going to ever do this again but still i had all these other charges you know that i thought at the time was pretty much done but there was there was one one charge where I got a DUI sleep, sleeping in my truck. And that, that's what really started a lot of this stuff. And it, it, anyway, it you, was Hold on, say work. this again. You got wet for sleeping in your truck? I got a DUI. I was, I was sleeping in a truck at a friend's house and he, he drove the truck there. Cause he said, well, you don't, you don't have a license. But anyway, I was I was moving again to another uh, down to Oak City, Utah. had a had a house rented down there. Now I'm off probation. i been back to work doing some masonry, and was just finishing up a job, and was just going to move down to Oak City. Start a new get get away because I had some property down down in that area. I had 700 acres down there. So, anyway, I get jerked out of that truck at one o'clock in the morning by a mad highway patrolman and get a DUI. And then he found out, oh, there was some other, already again, some other warrants out for my arrest because they don't take care of all this stuff while you're in jail. They put out more fines while you're while you're in jail (laughs) so it's just a constant warrant for my arrest you know even when i go to jail and so he he arrests me oh yeah that was one of the times on the probation violation so there was a warrant for my arrest on the probation violation and me and this officer really get into it and uh, and he calls me a bunch of names and you know about what my wife leave me all this stuff and oh my heck he he was it was just so embarrassing even the other cops that were around there go what's wrong with this guy and and he he just kept going on and on and on all the way down to the jail and even the the jailer that booked me in because the last thing he says, just throw the book at this guy. And, uh, and the, she goes, what what in the heck is up with that cop? And so that, that charge, I fought and fought and fought and fought. And it went around and around and into the court system, and it got tangled up to where I was in the wrong courtroom. And they were having a jury trial without me with a public defender that was appointed to me that that I never met with. It wouldn't return my phone calls. And when I'm sitting in another courtroom, he goes, oh, you're supposed to be over in the other courtroom. And so when I get over there, they'd already had the trial, just buttoning up the trial without me in absentia. Should, well, I was supposed to be over in this other judge's courtroom. So he uh, get, so we start the trial over again. I got all these witnesses there that I didn't drive the truck there. Uh, but I basically wasn't drunk. I, I'd had one beer and, and, and brought that out in the, into the truck, and it wasn't even finished. It was bo- a, a beer bottle, bo- a, bo- a bottled beer. Because that's what my buddy drank. And uh, I had a dog, a little dog. And I said, I got to get up early in the morning t- 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 to move to Oak City. And I, I, you know, I got my dog out there and I just like sleeping with my dog. And so, so now, Sam, uh, anyway, when when he goes to present the witnesses they wouldn't allow him on the stand because I, they weren't there for Vortier, vor they call it there wasn't All a right Dean place.
1: Spencer hang tight ladies and gentlemen listen up
11: want like what they see in the Living like they ain't got no mamas I think the whole world's addicted to the drama Only attracted to things that'll bring the trauma Overseas, yeah, we trying to stop terrorism But we still got terrorists here living In the USA, the big CIA The blood of the Crips and the KKK But if you only have love for your own race Then you only leave space to discriminate And to discriminate only generates hate And when you hate, then you're bound to get outraged to demonstrate, and that's exactly how anger works and operates. Now you gotta have love that's to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let the soul gravitate to the love y'all, y'all come on dying, children hurt, and you them crying. you practice what you preach, and what you turn the other father, father, father,
1: father. Where is the love, ladies and gentlemen? Where is the love? That's what I want to know in our society. So basically, Dean Spencer gets on the wrong side of the law. DUI, debatable. A problem is under the gun, on probation. The list goes on and on and on. Now, I'm not defending Dean's actions. I'm just telling you the reality of some people's lives. Some of it's bad choices. Dean will admit to that. He already said so. He didn't realize what was important. He meant well, but he got. Well, in his effort to save face, he got behind the eight ball, and then it just kind of went worse from there. And then he eventually kind of threw in the towel and said, man, I can't do this anymore. Sadly, we all feel that way to a great degree. What's the difference between you and Dean? Is it that when things went wrong for you, you didn't get a bad break here and a bad break there, and you made a different choice, and how much of it can we control versus how much of it controls us? You know what, I don't know the answers, and I don't know every situation. What I do know, though, is God has the love. The Savior, Jesus Christ, does know, is aware, and does care. Individually, God knows you, my fellow Americans. Individually, he knows your struggles, your fears, your concerns, your failings, your prayers, your hopes, your successes the secret desires of your heart. He knows all of it. And there is hope, ladies and gentlemen. There is hope. We got to know where to look for it. So, Dean... As you got on the wrong side of the law and things spiraled and, and, and mishap after mishap happened, part of it was that you decided to fight back and say, look, this corrupt system is abusing me. I'm going to study the law and fight back. So you filed a gazillion lawsuits and you won many of them. You, some of them have been questionable and still hang around. And, uh, but you thought you could stop the abuse by uh, educating yourself and fighting back. Uh, it didn't work too well because the system doesn't obey the very law you were studying. Uh, is that the summation of the discovery
4: uh yeah it is Sam. Uh, this this uh, i i don't i don't know how to say but but this but the system is just not working but but it could if i i do much better at working on somebody else's case and 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 seeing what what I have a, all these friends that get locked up. Most of them are homeless, you know, and, and they th- throw the book at them. They can't fight their charges because they've got to plead guilty and, to get o- get it over with because these guys will have to pay bail. And so there's got to be an answer where – and I, I understand most of them ha- have problems, you know. Uh, they they got problems with drugs and alcohol, but it, it, it's a thing where it, it's it's a hopeless thing for them. And but the ho- the homeless shelters and stuff are, do everything to to separate the family. You know, when you don't have anything, things are very important, just little things, you know. And when I see these bulldozers come in and scooping up these tents. Where, where do they go? You know, I think we need... On the LDS uh, beliefs, they were building Nauvoo houses. And the Nauvoo house was a place for the weary traveler that was actually more important than the temples. But we have forgot about things like this. I, I've read a bunch of, of laws on, on charity and stuff. When When you... It, it's it's a barometer for society. If you don't take after the poor and the needy, and the uh, the elderly and the, uh, and the infant and uh, and the mentally ill, you you've just lost touch with society. The society breaks down. From from you know this is the this is the big. Uh, Big dogs that know everything about the these charity lo- laws now i I read some of these old laws, like going back to the Franks and that, where they would set uh, for for say like every ten thousand people there would be four people assigned to look over those ten thousand people where where they were the, the poor and the needy uh but but hopefully I I could be able to do something. They threw me into the mental health deal. uh, And one of the last, I had to be restored uh, to go to court this last time. So this lady that the psychiatrist had come down, uh, uh, interviewed me to restore, quote unquote, restore me to go to court. She she was from New York, and we talked for like three minutes. She closes up her folder and says, why are me and you even talking? And so she knew right off that there was nothing mentally ill about me. Uh, but she had all these charges in front of her. And so we go on and all all this stuff. And uh, we 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 become pretty good friends, and uh, uh, you know I basically told her, you know I, I says uh, I, I can't remember one, one of the uh, one of the last interviews we had. You know I just said I'm just pissed off at the whole world, and uh, anyway I, 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 I'm just sick of society and. Uh, and she's, she's reading off these charges and I says, well, why don't you pick up, pick one of those charges and, and you, you tell me which one I'm guilty on. And she goes, well, I got a problem with this one. I got, problem. and but anyway, those charges end up getting dropped because it was all just thrown on me. But this, this ruined my life for the last couple of years. But I look over and she's got tears in her eyes. And, uh, she says something like, I hope you can do something for the for the poor, you know. Uh, but anyway, I thought this is pretty odd, and it really touched me. But I was, I was reading in the, in the Judaism. I got some books on Judaism, and they said w- 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 under poverty, it's worse than 50 plagues coming down on you. That's pretty strong, and it is, because it consumes every waking moment of your life. You just don't know what to do. Uh, All right, I want to talk about
1: the solutions a little bit before the end of the hour, Dean, because I believe that's uh, the question. What do we do? And you're looking at it from the homeless side. Now you've had a good friend kind of take you in, so you're not totally homeless now. You've got a phone. Uh, And and a couple of things you're trying to work, you're trying to kind of get out of it. Things are uh, looking up in some ways for you, but in some ways, though, you don't want to jettison the plight, even if you get out of it, you're not all the way out of it, but you're on your way, but you don't want to jettison the plight of those in it. You understand it. And you know, how do you do something to not only save yourself, but care for others? And, And I think we might start with the, what do they call these things? Faith, hope and charity might be the ideals that society should live by. Faith, hope, and charity are the three theological virtues that define mankind's ideal relationship to God Almighty. And I think that we can start there with faith, hope, and charity. And you know what? These people have problems. We're not saying that they don't. They're there partially because they have problems. They're also there through no fault of their own many times. And each person has a unique, different capacity to heal uh, and to come back. But what are we doing? Are we adding insult to injury as a society? Or are we gonna do things that could create a, a chance, a second chance, a third chance? How many chances does Christ give us? And so I think, Dean, that the Christian principles are the only way back. Now, I'm not telling you what religion you have to be. I'm just telling you that the principles of keeping the Sabbath day holy and turning to God in prayer and learning to live by faith, hope, and charity uh, on all sides are the only answers. I mean, it's fine to give someone a hand up, not a hand out, and give them a start. I get all that. There's a lot of fundamentals that go along with this. But kind of like the Alcoholics Anonymous plan, I don't think there's a way back without God. Not only for those who are homeless, but for those of us who, well, like Brandon Heath and Give Me Your Eyes, didn't realize, you know what, the mistakes we were making, the ignoring that we were doing, the, uh, you know what, I'm distanced from it, I live a mile high so I don't see it uh, idea. We all have a lot of changing and repenting to do. But I think if we rally around the principles taught by Christ himself, some call him a great philosopher. I call him the true son of God. But I believe those are the answers. Um, Dean, do you want to respond to my
8: assertions?
4: Well, yeah. It, it, it takes a faith in God where, you know, I, I totally believe in God, you know. And he, when I think I have a plan, God changes it. So, but the plan is it's your neighbor. I remember being raised on that farm where our neighbor came first basically and so if we could just reach out to the neighbors and and it's like this this wealthy guy that took me in We we met he was from canada we met up in the early 70s when i when i was on the farm and his parents sent him up here because he's running into a little trouble thinking the mormons are gonna because they were lds thinking this community would straighten him out and then he run into me but but anyway Here's, the, so we're, our personalities are almost like identical. So when when we met up, he, he's a multi, well, he's a billionaire, you know, several times over. So here's one thing where, is he blessed or am I blessed? See, I have more to offer than probably you do because I don't have any baggage. Uh, and this is what I've always been wanting to, to get going on if these people like him could sponsor maybe getting some acreage and getting some gardens growing and and to come together as, as in in like a community atmosphere to have something to look forward to have their own little little plot of land let's so to speak you know ladies and And gentlemen
1: i i dean i want to stop you there because we're flat out of time but i want to do this ladies and gentlemen i want to continue the saga i want to be engaged and commit publicly before you all to do something more about this than i have hitherto done how can i be involved with dean what can i do to help we will highlight this case going forward on your radio This is where the rubber meets the road, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have real faith, hope, and charity? God save the republic.